Welcome to the Order Up Show, the operations management podcast presented by Ops Analytica. Hey, it's Tommy from Ops Analytica. The number one reason why managers don't do their checklists or justify to themselves that it's okay not to do their checklists is because we have set them up for failure. We give our managers these very thorough, very long checklists that take a while to complete, 30, 45, I've seen 60 minute pre-shift checklists. And then we say, hey, go do these every day, but also you have to do them during the busiest part of your shift. Well, you can't do that. It's impossible, right? The, the immediate issues of the shift are always going to trump them doing the checklist. So they just don't do them. And that's why Ops Analytica invented our real-time collaboration. With real-time collaboration, you can have multiple team members on different devices all working together to simultaneously complete the same checklist. So now you can take the responsibility off your busiest employee, your manager, at their busiest time of the day and say, hey, you don't have to spend an hour doing this. You can instead go, hey, pass this around to your team members and everybody can bang this out in 10 minutes and you achieve all of your goals. You achieve your readiness goals. You achieve your development of your employee goals. You are controlling what you can control and everything is better with real-time collaboration only available on the Ops Analytica platform. Check us out, opsanalytica.com. Hey there, Order Up Show. It's Tommy, and I have returned with another podcast episode. We are very excited today to welcome Chris Mathern. Chris, how you doing, man? Doing great. Doing great, Tommy. How are you? Oh, man, I'm living the dream. It snowed up here today. I woke up. I didn't even look at the weather, and then I woke up to, like, snow on the ground, which I thought was interesting. When you get um, the snow, I woke up to 40-degree weather, and it's terrible for us down here. Well, it's probably literally colder where you are at 40-degree weather than it is in Colorado with, like, 20-degree weather and snow because you have the humidity. Right. You've got that dry cold. Right? Yeah. Because, it, yeah, it's miserable. It's bone-chilling cold down there. And up here, we had the sun's out. So, like, I don't even have to – I won't even have to shovel my driveway. It's wonderful. <laughs> um, okay, Chris. So, this is uh, – this is uh, the easiest podcast you're ever going to do. I'm going to ask you five questions. I'm going to start with question number one. Explain what you do today. Then take us through your career progression from your first job until now. Uh, yeah, so currently uh, what I do today is I'm a regional director of operations for Take 5 Oil Change. Um, yep. So basically what I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much responsible for five districts, uh, about 42 stores. We have two more that we're working on right now to, to open up soon. Uh, basically, uh, developing people, uh, connecting with people in the shops, uh, following up on our plans and everything we have going out there. Uh, yeah, as you know, in this uh, the world today, uh, developing staff members and finding staff members is always a challenge. So that's one of our biggest challenges right now. Uh, but you know, I've been doing this for 19 years. Uh, you know, if traveling back to my first job when I was 13 at a little hardware store down the street from my shop. Um, from my house. Uh, from there, I uh, worked at Burger King, you know, throughout high school uh, for a couple of years and uh, told, you know, I was going to join the military because I don't come from a well-to-do family. Uh, I was going to join the military for for, uh, for college tuition assistance and things like that. So I worked at Burger King for two years and told my boss, I said, look, uh, I'm joining the military in a couple of months. I, I want my weekends off or, or you know, I'm just going to 
not work. <laughs> and she said, no, we can't do that for you. I said, okay, no problem. Here's my two weeks notice. And I get a phone call from a previous manager of the Burger King down the street, like, hey, I'll give you weekends off. And at that time, I'd already been off for a week. I was like, you know what? I'm good. So uh, in the military, uh, four years in the military during uh, years of 1998 to 2002. Uh, so th those were really interesting times. I was on board uh, USS Theodore Roosevelt for three and a half years. I did a couple of med cruises, saw some really cool countries and kind of got exposed to the world uh, through that way and uh, kind of moved up the ranks in the military to an E5. But uh, my my career progression for myself was not to stay in the military. It was purely uh, to get a better footing in life and uh, some college money. Uh, so I get out of the military, uh, head on home, back to New Orleans, and uh, got a great job right out of the military as a, a terminal supervisor for Consolidated Freightways, one of the oldest trucking companies in, in the world. And just my luck, nine months into the role, uh, exceeding expectations, according to my boss, uh, they filed Chapter 11 bankruptcy. And... Uh, don't know what I'm going to do with my life, uh, but I have that college money. So I'm continuing to go to school and, uh, and, uh, it was, I play, play a lot of sports. I always love sports. One of my big things in life. And I was playing a little league of softball in my hometown and wouldn't you know, but I'm at bat and the guy catching come to find out was a fellow that my dad knew. And my dad actually coached him in baseball. He's catching. I'm at the plate. First pitch comes across. Hey, you Chris Pathurn. Yeah, yeah, that's me. I know your daddy. I know your daddy. What's going on, man? I'm like, okay, great. Second pitch goes by. It's a 1-1 one, one count now. Uh, yeah. So what are you doing with your life? Where are you working at? I'm like, hey, look, can I just talk to you after this? <laughs> I just talked to you after this at bat. He's like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So we continue on the game. Game ends. The old guy, his name's Earl. Old Earl comes up to me and says, hey, how you doing? I know your daddy. We go way back, blah, blah, blah. So uh, what are you doing? Where are you working at? I said, it's funny you ask. I just got laid off. I'm currently in school and doing odd and end things like cutting grass and things like that to make ends meet. You know, young kid, 22. Um, so why don't you come work with me at the at the, the rapid oil change shop? It's like, ah, I don't like cars. I don't like anything about oil changes. No, thanks. Uh, <laughs> he's like, well, I'll tell you what, just come work part time if you just need some. I said, you know what? That sounds good. Yeah, I'll, I'll go there to be a, a second job. I start working there um, a couple weeks later, right? Uh, comes and uh, you know I'm in the shop and learning the role uh, of changing oil and stuff. It's really really simple, not hard, pretty easy job. One week I come in and there's a gentleman working with Earl. He's got his uniform on. I've never met this guy. I'm like, hey Earl, who's this guy? He's a sort of a knucklehead, if you will, Tommy. Yeah. Tells me, says, yeah, that's a manager from down the street. I said, oh, manager from down the street. This guy's a manager? So like, yeah, he manages the busiest store. I was like, how the heck is this guy manage the busiest store? Man, I tell you what, if this guy can manage the busiest store, I could probably be the president in a couple of weeks. Uh, <laughs> I decided to go full time and uh, told Earl, teach me everything you know. And sure enough, a year later, I was managing my own shop. Uh, we turned brands from rapid oil change to five minute oil change. Uh, we grew from four stores at the time to 28 stores just in the New Orleans metro area. And throughout that growth span, I was a store manager and worked my way up from uh, a slower shop to eventually the busiest shop, that same shop that that manager was running when I was introduced to him. So I felt like I made it, you know, but at the time, 
the Take Five brand was only in the southeast Louisiana area, from uh, Gulfport, sure. Mississippi to Baton Rouge. We just opened up a shop in Lafayette, and you know my my growth there, career-wise, was a little bit limited. We only had a few uh, district managers at the time, and uh, they were kind of locked in, right? So we, we had a private equity uh, uh, company coming and purchase us uh, with, a, with, of course, uh, the game plan to expand us, make us bigger and sell us, right? Now everybody knows the game. Uh, yeah. So they decide to uh, buy a, a chain of stores in Dallas, Texas. And I, uh, you know, I'm patiently listening as a store manager, making really good money, by the way. Uh, no reason to really uproot myself, but I hear we're moving to Dallas, and at the time, there was only a limited number of people willing to move that I knew of, and on top of that, had really the capacity to really drive uh, who we are in a totally different market, totally different state. And I knew there was only a few people who could do that, and I knew I was one of those folks. Uh, so a couple of weeks go by, and I don't hear anything about who's going to go to Dallas for this big expansion. So one day, I walk into my my boss's office, said, "Hey, Keith." Uh, Who's going to Dallas? He said, you know what, Chris? Uh, good question. I'm glad you asked me that because I'm having a tough time figuring it out. I said, well, why haven't you asked me? I said, well, I never thought you would move. I know you're a New Orleans guy. You got season tickets to the Saints. You're a big New Orleans guy. I didn't think you would move. I said, Keith, we need to make this work. This has to happen, and it has to happen the right way. <laughs> I'm, I want to go. So he said, okay, um, you're in. And right there, kind of sealed my fate uh, for my, uh, uh, my my upward mobility within the company. So moved out to Dallas, Texas, uh, with a couple other gentlemen. Spent three years really converting this whole market into uh, uh, Mobile One Lube Expresses at the time uh, to take five oil changes. And we saw a lot of success. Still continuing a lot of success today. And this was seven years ago. Yeah. Um, so spent three years in Dallas. Uh, did a really good job there. We had our first award ceremony where I got an employee of the year uh, in 2018 and then was promoted to a regional director of operations uh, in Houston, in San Antonio. So a couple conversions, a bunch of new builds. And before you know it, I'm running 90 stores and like, what the heck, how am I here? Right. Um, the regional director, kind of the same guy in my position that was in New Orleans, uh, eventually uh, left his position, moved on to another company, which left the opening spot that I was uh, wanting to fill, I felt destined to fill, and that's right back in New Orleans, uh, running the Southeast Louisiana group of locations and people. And that's where I'm at today. Um, so 41 stores in this market, but they're really high volume locations, uh, a lot of good people, and we're just looking to continuously progress and do better at what's made us great. And that's kind of my story uh, from my first job to today. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so I work at a Jiffy Lube in high school. Yeah. And I was horrible. I'm just like, uh, you know, I'm a restaurant guy, but I, I worked there. I don't know why I was in between jobs and I got the job. And um, I'm just not, I'm not handy. So, you know, there's people like that. And I'll tell you, Tommy, I, I became, I became a, a, a magician because I can tell, uh, if somebody's going to make it on their first day because we wash windshields, uh -huh. watch the folks go through the motion of trying to wash a windshield without ever having any coaching. You can almost tell they had the muscle uh, uh, memory or, or ability to, to move their arms a certain way. You can sure. tell right there if somebody's ready to do it. It's not for everyone. 
Oh yeah, no. Like and also too, and like I was kind of in the same position you were with that Burger King. Like it was just, I was like a tenth grader, and my mom we were going to Florida, and I went to my I, we I had the cross camp, and then we were going to Florida because it was summertime. I was a high school kid, and I went to my boss, and he's like. Well, you're not getting off to go to Florida. I'm like, bye. Like, what am I going to not go to on vacation? My parents are going to let me stay home by myself to work at Jiffy Lube. You know what I mean? Like, we were going to Florida. I got to go. Sorry. Yep. Man. But yep. uh, yeah, those. Um, so, who who's your like? I'm this is. I'm very curious. Like, who's your core customer? Like, are you seeing like every kind of car under the sun in there, or do you usually see older cars or like? Yeah, so a good question. Our core customer is someone with an older car, but we we're, we're everyone's everybody's our customer, right? We I, I don't look at our business as uh, core customers or or not, but you know what we see throughout uh, the economy when the economy's bad and, and and people tend to hold on to those older vehicles. They also tend to maintain them at a higher standard than some newer vehicles or leased vehicles or things like that. So. Uh, we, we we love people who, who hold on to those cars and, and want to take care of them, right? But we also have big initiatives on European vehicles and how can we do a better job at uh, you know uh, offering people with a higher higher class vehicle a, a simple oil change as well, uh, because we know that you know waiting at the dealership or having to setting an appointment for a dealership could be a pain, including the price, right? So if we could come in at a lower cost with a quicker uh, a quicker turnaround on on that service, then then we should do everything possible to make sure we're, we're meeting that customer as well. Uh, but yes, the the the, the longer uh, the society holds on to their vehicles, typically the better for us and our drives. Yeah, it's really interesting. So the so just like the high interest rates right now, that's good for you. Yeah, that's good for our business. It really is. You know, uh, you know, people uh, not buy more newer vehicles and getting those. Uh, first year of oil changes for free or, or things like that. The, the less that's happening, the better for us. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So we're going to hit number question number two here. Oh, wait. So real quick, I have a question from number one. What did you do in the Navy? What was your MOS? Yeah, so I was in IT. Uh, I joined the military thinking like, hey, let me get a trade that's going to be the future. Now, this is back in 97, 98 uh, yeah. when I joined. So I thought IT was the future, computers and stuff. So I figured I'd get as much knowledge as possible in there. So it was an IT the communications, basically, HF, UHF, satellite, uh, any communication on and off the ship. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, it was really fun. Uh, yeah, I was. I wanted to join the military, too. And then um, I got mono, of all things. And then I didn't even get it from kissing a girl. I got it from drinking a soda for my neighbor. And <laughs> she was kissing a boy. And I was, like, in typing class. I'm like, give me a sip of that Coke. And then, like, I drank it. I got her mono. And then I couldn't go to basic. And then it was kind of... You know, the military is not like, ah, cool. We'll just work this around your schedule. You know what I mean? They're like, it was like a very regimented program. And I, I missed my win opening window. And I was kind of faced with, do I go to college or do I take a year off? And in my mind, I just knew at that time, I was like, if I take a year off, I'm never going to college. You know what I mean? Like, I'll just go get a job and whatever. So I just just went to college anyways and, and just sort of let that program fall off to the side. Um, that's the biggest bummer. Actually, I really wanted to serve. Like it was a big deal to me, and it just. I tell you what, these days I bet they're not. I bet they're taking anybody, even if they have mono these days. <laughs> well, they were worried because 
if you your spleen gets enlarged, you know. So if you dive on the ground, you could rupture your spleen. That's not easy to diagnose, and you might not even recognize you did it. It would just hurt. But you could, you could get real, you know. It just there was it was an unnecessary risk they didn't want to take. I just joined the air force. No need to dive over there. Yeah, exactly. Just you, you might trip on your shoe or something. Yeah. <laughs> I was at the air force academy on Sunday um, because my kid had a swim meet there. But anyway, beside the point. Off topic as usual. Uh, what is the big project or initiative that you're working on right now? Yeah, so I briefly mentioned the Euro thing. Uh, you know, we're working with uh, different types of evacuator systems to, you know, because most European vehicles uh, have large skip plates and all kind of uh, crazy stuff underneath them that you got to remove, take some time. So we're looking at this pro uh, project with some evacuators that uh, that we've uh, designed and, and put into to use to, to suck the oil out pretty quickly and then just change the oil filter. That's one of the initiatives we're working on. We've got uh, uh, five districts. Uh, two of which are equipped with them. So we're, we're working with those two districts to, to, to really uh, uh, maximize our efficiency, if you will, on those vehicles. And on top of that, we've got a couple of new locations uh, that we're working on. One's a ground up and one's a conversion. When I say conversion, that's a previous existing business, usually an automotive building uh, that we purchase and, uh, and, 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 and just reconfigure it, paint it, uh, get a whole new uh, process in place and reopen as a take five oil change. So we've got that happening. We're trying to open up one of these before Thanksgiving uh, and hopefully uh, the other one right after Thanksgiving. So got a couple of big projects there. We're always working on a number of different things, usually de developing people. Uh, that's our third biggest bucket, I guess. Number one biggest bucket, but when you look at initiatives right now, uh, that's one of our ongoing buckets that never changes. And that's developing our people, making sure we're setting them up for success. You know, I look at it as myself, you know, I look at myself and every one of our employees, because to be honest with you, in the lube industry, as I'm sure you're aware, working at the Jiffy Lube, um, we're an odd bunch, right? It's not for everybody. I like to say it's the, uh, yeah, it's the, uh, the, toy, the, 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 uh, the island of misfit toys, right? We're all on this island for some kind of reason, whether or another. But if we could show people a path, that can that can bring them the the life that they want to lead uh, financially to support a family and do the things they want to do in life. Uh, I think that's really special, no matter what industry it is. Absolutely, so, um, and, that's that's a big one for us. Well, and you know, it's like I always talk about this when we talk to people in the restaurant industry. You know, the restaurant industry, and I think the oil change industry is probably very similar to this. I, our automotive industry as well is very similar to this. It's one of the few places where you can go make a real living without a college degree. You know yes. what I mean? Yep. Like if you can manage people, because that's what it is. At the end of the yep. day, it's managing people. It's taking people that are in a lower end job and turning them into a team member who has loyalty to you, not the company, because of that, you know, and just get them like, and like you said, get them on a path where like, Dude, you can go have that car. You can go get that cell phone. You can have that stereo. You know, you can get those things in your life if you just show up and kick ass, you know, and you can learn a trade and a skill. Yes. I mean, yes, 100%. Your, your competition is not that high, right? No. Uh, in these industries. And it's very similar. With what, I, what I find unique about, you know, Take Five Oil Change, when you mentioned the restaurant industries, we love the folks that are from the restaurant industry because, uh, I'm not going to call out any of our comp competitors out there, but I think we do things 
differently. Uh, and we put a different style on the, on the oil change, right? We don't have the old guy with a big belly, shirt untucked, cigarette, big beard, yeah. hey, old change, you know. No, we don't. We don't do that. We're we're, we're more customer service oriented, right? Uh, sure. When people, say, what business are you in? We're in the customer service industry, right? We're not in the oil like a lot of these places say. You know, we're in the oil and filter business. We're like, no, we're in the customer service business. If you come to us with anything, we're gonna we're gonna help you out, right? If you just need air and tires, we're gonna do it for free. You know, we, you want us to check something, we do that for free. Like we're here for the customer, uh, and and we also change oil. You know? Yeah, that's great um okay cool what is the one thing in the industry or your business that's keeping you up at night people people we talk about people all the time and you know our, our pipeline can never be as full as we'd like um but we have a good pipeline of, of people that have been working with us for some time and we've got a lot of really good players out there what keeps me up at night are the new ones right uh it's it seems like the world has changed quite a bit since covid i think everybody would acknowledge that uh, but that entry level employee, uh, we have such a high turnover rate in that zero to 45 day window. And a lot of that is due to, hey, I need you to sweep the floor. I'm not doing that. Or, hey, I need you to tuck in your shirt. Or, hey, I need you to put the phone away. Uh, it's, it's really crazy. And, you know, I've been, in, again, been in this industry for 20 years. It's always been a problem, right? It just yeah. feels like getting uh, <laughs> exponentially worse, in my opinion. Um, and, and it's really sad because, you know, if anybody were to come into our doors today and show up to work on time with a smile and try their best, they would be successful. And we're not seeing that at the rate we'd like to see. And that's really what keeps me up at night because I know that, that we're going to continue expanding and uh, that pipeline is going to get thinner. Well, yeah. And I mean, it's just, I was, I was talking to somebody earlier today, it's just a very odd time. Like, like, I think COVID, it changed the culture of America. And, and like, I got a neighbor, he has a, uh, he does medical device sales. He, he's like the distributor of something that you would put on a broken bone. I don't know exactly what it is. And like, you know, but you, and so they're medical sales guys, right? And so part of their job, the worst part of their job is that, you know, if someone's in a car accident and there's a doctor and he wants to use this device and you're like that guy's rep, if you will, you might have to go in three in the morning and be in the operating room because they're not surgeons, but, you know, medical device guys, they know how to use their device. Right. So slide that on here and then turn it like that, you know, like that, that type of thing. That job pays 150 to 200 K a year. He couldn't get anybody to apply. Like I get when you can't get someone to apply for $15 an hour. I get it yeah you know depending on the whatever but 150k that seems a little bit off to me and like everybody's feeling this crunch and it's just like how are people not working i i don't understand it like what are they doing what are they doing I, I, and you know look our industry thrives on that high school kid that part-time or high school kid not really yeah. thrive but we look at you know younger folks to be honest with you some of these guys if, if you can get them on their before they have their first job, you have a chance. Sure. Yeah, you have a chance. But if they're 22, 23 and they're on their fifth job, I find those folks almost like, I don't understand who their parents are. <laughs> yeah. Because I think that's where it really stems from. Where are these people? What are they doing? I think they're at home, uh, not paying for that ceiling because their parents are or something like that. I don't know. 
but it, it, it's really frightening and it really has changed, uh, you know, recently over the last couple of years. And it's really strange. It really is. Yeah. But, and I don't know. I, you know, and I think a lot of this is like government made too, which is like frustrating. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it could be. You know, it's funny. I had a guy, uh, he's from Boston, right outside of Boston. He moved uh, down to Metairie, Louisiana. Not sure why. When I was a shop manager, this guy walked probably 10 miles in 90 degree weather in boots looking for a job. I hired him immediately. Uh, a week later, he got hit in the head at this rundown place he was staying at with a brick and he had a big swollen eye. I said, dude, I was single. I had a house at the time. I said, Move on me, I'll take care of you. Get on your feet. Uh, he's kind of a lost soul, right? Yeah. So I'm helping this guy out, and his ex-girlfriend from Boston comes down, and they end up having a kid. Oh, he, she ends up moving back uh, to Boston. He ends up moving back to Boston after a few years. And he just recently visited me this weekend. And we're talking about his family and his kids, and he's like, man, child support's killing me, this, that, and the other thing. I was like, so what's Cassie? That's her name. Which, well, I guess we probably shouldn't mention names. But anyway, uh, uh, she's uh, she doesn't have a job. I was like, well, what is she doing? Well, she gets Section 8 housing, 150 bucks a month for, for rent, which I give her 150 bucks a week. Uh, she's on every program there is. Um, so she's living really good. She's got plenty of food, got a house, and she does nothing all day. Nothing. Like crazy. I almost want to switch lives. <laughs> and it, it, you know, and that's that, you know, it was back like 21. Everybody was ready to recover, right? The summer of 21. And then the Congress passed that like thing. And then it kept so many employees home. And because they got like, you know, 2,500 extra bucks a month. And by the way, I don't blame those people. Like if yeah. you only make 2,500 bucks a month, anyways, like that's what you're going to make 2,500, maybe, you know, whatever. And someone's willing to just give it to you for free and you can take off the whole summer and like play video games. Like, who wouldn't do that? Yeah, I can't get mad at them. It's like when they get mad at Trump for uh, escaping taxes and he looks at uh, Clinton and says, hey, stop writing laws that lets me do it, you know? Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's so funny. Is that, yeah, yeah. So it's nuts, man. So, like, yeah, it's a weird time and it's really hard. And what I, what I fear is, I don't fear it because it's what's going to happen. It's just going to get accelerated is that we're all going to automate some of these jobs out. And when that yeah. happens, those people that all they could get were these jobs, restaurant jobs, first oil change job, you know, stock and, you know, just the, those low end first jobs are going to start going away. And then yep. it's going to leave people who don't have, you know, the support to go to college. You don't have maybe had rough, child like rough lives and couldn't get their high school diplomas or whatever it is those people are going to be sol you know what i mean because they're not going to have the skills necessary to compete in this world and their lives are going to be hard and miserable yep, yep. because you yep. need these first jobs you like I, my first job i like cooked cheesesteaks at a, a sub shop i was like had a work permit you know what i mean the whole thing you but i i needed that job you know what i mean like if i didn't have that job you know, if you need a master's degree to get your first job, there's a lot of people aren't going to have a job. You know, absolutely. You know, my, when I worked at that hardware store, my, my father, uh, who's kind of the guy who set me up for success in life, uh, if it wasn't for him being so hard on me and, and, and really instilling in me that life isn't fair, you're going to have to work for every little penny, 
I learned that at the freaking hardware store at 13. If I don't learn that at 13, maybe I'm one of those guys, right? So yeah. I think that part of this is society, you know, and, and the family institute and, and just really raising people the right way, uh, I think is just the big miss. And you're right, there's gonna be a lot of pain to come. You know, everybody's talking about automating jobs. That's only gonna be uh, accelerated by the lack of, of labor or oh, the yeah. lack of killing labor. It's only going to be accelerated, and, and when those jobs are gone, just like you said, Tommy, it's going to be a lot. It's going to be a lot painful. And it's one of the things I, I try to tell my teams all the time. They'll tell you, I'm known for saying, "Hey, look, we're on a freaking ball, a rock flying through space. Uh, don't expect anything to be fair on this thing. Nothing is fair, right? And don't expect this world to be fair uh, because it's going to be a very long and painful life if you do." Yeah, it's true. It is absolutely true. And um, yeah, it's very scary right now. Oh, well. All right, let's go to the next one. Uh, so I asked you the big project. I asked you what's keeping you up at night. What is the one thing you thought your industry would be doing right now that it isn't? Yeah, so um, my industry, I thought they would be doing more more windows. Uh, you know, I think windows are the biggest opportunity right now for the for the for these uh little places that we have these little small uh, real estate uh, places uh, windows would probably be a biggest opportunity just because right now window replacement chip replacement you can almost go to to, to, to a place or somewhere else like if you had it right in front of you I think it would be a lot easier but uh, this industry and you know working with take five and my I think we're, we're a category one in this industry like no one else really does what we do so mm -hmm. I don't look at us doing those things. I look at our industry, the quick lube, and what they should be, what they are trying to do, rushing at those higher tickets. I'm surprised a lot of them don't do any more more windows because the insurance money and a lot of opportunities, cheap class out there. It's a lot of opportunities for big bucks out there. But for us, in Take Five's world, in my world, there's nothing. If anything, I want to take away services. Um, <laughs> what makes us great is our convenience, our quick, and anything that stops us from being quick i.e. adding more services or trying to run for higher tickets uh, that does our our business model disservice really so yeah. I, I like the limited stuff we do it great though right it's almost like canes or yeah or i was just gonna say canes that's so funny you said that i was just One like, thing, right you do it great and, and run it till you can't run it anymore right yeah i know uh, my father-in-law always says dominate on the dominant thought like we do fast oil changes. That's it. That's it. You know, now I will say safe light auto glass. What a like the best business model ever. Because yeah, I'll go to you, right? Yeah. Because what they did was they said, Hey, we're gonna focus the glass is periphery. Insurance pays for all this. So we have a guaranteed clientele, guaranteed yeah. payment every time. You know, yeah. so we'll just make our ability to like build the insurance guy. And then they they did all that work at corporate to go okay you know when you if you like go like because i my wife's window got chipped in this really crazy snowstorm it just froze and cracked but as i get on the phone and i call my insurance company and, and they go is this about auto glass and i said they press two and i press two and i'm talking to a safe late operator like you know i'm not even talking to them like that? what a genius deal oh they that so smart god bless them Yep. Um, Safe flight's great. Name another one. Yeah, exactly. And that's right. even better for them. You know it's what I mean? 
but I think you know it's a that's an opportunity for for somebody to, to maybe skim from the top from that customer base, right? Um, oh yeah. Well, and I mean too, especially window chips, full windows. That's a whole thing, especially now with all the cameras and everything. You got to repoint all that stuff. You need yeah. some special equipment for that. But doing chips at an oil change. I mean, have you had one chip guy? And I know you don't want to do this, but like if somebody had one chip guy. Yep. You literally, as you're doing the walk around for the car, right? You could be like, hey, by the way, you've got like a chip there. We can fill that in right now. I were doing your oil for like 25 more bucks. And if you have car insurance, you know, if you have your car insurance card, we'll just bill them for it. You would sell that all day long. You know what all I mean? Day. All day. If they were motivated to do it, you know? Well, because, but you know, too, like everybody has a chip. Like I had a chip one time. And just a small one and then it was really hot outside and i got my car washed and the window the entire window cracked within like one second you know what right. i mean yeah no. so chips people are willing to fix and even like those little like dings you know you yep. can pull dings real quick things like that you could get them for another 25 30 bucks while you got them you know because like dings don't take a lot of time either yep i saw something on youtube the other day where this guy had like this busted up bumper and they just poured like a ton of hot water on it like just <laughs> pouring like boiling water on it and it eventually popped back in the spot wow kind of, it was neat um all right cool so yeah glass and dings we're we're solving problems over here glass and dings man we're gonna go into business i think, <laughs> I think business plan here oh uh, glass and dings um uh, okay uh war story time give me a war story something cringeworthy something you can't believe happened could be from yeah. the movie could be from burger king could be from you know, i forgot that you were going to ask me this question but i've got one right off the top of my head. it was pretty hilarious um so this is when i was with take five oil change and uh, i was a store manager in metairie louisiana okay um airline highway and right down the street from us is the new Orleans saints training facility right that's where they train they got the cool facility and you go out there watch practice all that good stuff so we're uh towards the end of our season and i forget what years this this has got to be uh 2011 ish 12 ish somewhere around there um maybe 2010 right martin grammatica was our kicker he was our field goal kicker for the saints at the time and it was late in the season we needed a win to make the playoffs last second field goal here comes Martin Gramatica, comes out, misses the field goal. We lose, season over. It was <laughs> right? So we have a reader board, right? Right out in our, uh, on our street right there, right out in front of the shop. So I put, you know, put on the, on the I put different, you know, messages throughout the weeks. And I decided, oh, well, I got to make fun of this one. So I put up on the reader board, now hiring experienced place kickers apply down the street. <laughs> you know, I put it out there first thing on a Monday morning, right after the Sunday game. And I'm like, this is pretty funny. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. The guys are all laughing. And I'm in my office. I forget what I'm doing, but I'm in my office. And uh, uh, this must have been something important because we had some cars on, on in, in the shop. And I get a knock on the office door. Hey, hey, Chris, come see. You're not going to believe this. I said, what? Hold on one second. I'm real busy. No, no, dude. You got you to gotta come see. Martin Grammatic is here. I said, no, you just messing with me. We're just talking about the sign. You just messing with me. He's like, no, he's here. I look out the little window. I see this big truck, big black diesel truck. It was nice. And I yeah. see the little guy jump out with curly hair and a little uh, Ferrari looking shoes. 
it's Martin Gramatica. I'm like, oh, yeah, my right. God, he's here. He comes in. I don't say a word to him. He gets his oil change and leaves. And he said nothing about the sign. But I can tell you there was a few minutes there where I was like, oh, my God, is this guy pissed off at us? And he's coming here to create some havoc or what? That's kind of awesome. That's so great. He knew yeah. he missed it. I mean, you know, no one felt worse than him, I'm sure. Yeah, it, it, he had Florida plates. I'm, I'm sure he felt bad. Look, you know, looking back at it, you know, what, you, that's got to be a really tough position for him. And then to see signage around your home city, you know, poking fun at it, that's got to be even worse. But, but uh, I just you hope you could have put up there fire Martin Gramatica, too, <laughs> and you didn't. You know, so yeah, I'm just looking back though. I'm just looking for back though, future state, right? Yeah, but it would have been awesome if you guys could have got a picture with him in front of the sign. In front of the sign, oh man, yeah, uh, yeah that would have been epic. Yes, it most definitely would have been epic. That is a great story. That is so yeah. awesome. Yeah, we had quite a few uh, uh, weird situations at the quickly, as you, as I'm sure you can imagine. Uh, a lot, a lot of interacting with the public and and the, and the folks walking by and things like that. We used to have a drunk guy that would walk by all day drinking beer and betting on sports bets. Eventually, he started working for us. But he lost, a few, <laughs> lost a few bets. So you had to keep the beer at the door, though. You couldn't drink that. Uh, he, he didn't last very long. Uh, Helmet was his name because he had this 80s hairstyle, pushed back, fluffed hair. Called him Helmet. It was nice. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Good old New Orleans. A lot of crazy stories down there. Oh, I know. It's a crazy town. Well, it Chris, is. thank you so much, man. I will put uh, links to your website on there. If anybody's in the area where they and you are hiring, they'll be able to apply. And um, I just really appreciate you taking the time to hang out with me today. Absolutely. I mean, look, look we're hiring not just for entry-level folks. You know, We're hiring regional directors, uh, you know, district managers. Uh, regional training managers, all kind of positions, assistant managers, shop managers, technicians, you name it, we're hiring. That's awesome. I love to hear about a business that's growing. So congrats. Yeah. And thank you guys for listening. And we'll be back with more episodes soon.